Let us pray together. God, inspire us by your word and your Holy Spirit and our spirits together. As we listen, as we think, as we imagine who we are and who you want us to be and become. So bless us in this great and wonderful effort this morning that we may honor you and, and uh, base our thinking on the word that we read every Sunday at this time. To that end, we offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Reading that passage from Isaiah, reading two, two great visions of worship this morning as our scripture readings. First from Isaiah chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. And uh, not to preach a, a second sermon, but uh, remember there was the understanding in the Old Testament... Uh, not completely across the board, but, but a pretty, pretty significant one that if you saw God, it meant that you either were going to die or were already dead. So Isaiah expresses here, fear here because he sees God and uh, worries about that. Does not die, however. Okay. In the year that King Isaiah died, I, Isaiah, saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty. <clears throat> And the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs, a certain kind of angel, were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they flew. With two they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I, Isaiah, said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed, and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Reading also from the book of Revelation, the seventh chapter, beginning with verse 9. This is John's record of a vision he had among all of the many visions that he had in that book. After this, I, John, looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might, be to our God forever and ever. Amen. 
Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship Him day and night within His temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I would like to share an announcement with you before I begin this sermon talking about worship because it is about worship here. Lois Gurney has retired from her position as music director and organist at RPC as of January 3, 2020. As we have been saying to you, she is facing some health challenges that have limited her ability to perform her duties. She reports, and I visited with Lois for a couple of hours this past week, she reports that she is meeting these challenges and expects to find new ways to enjoy life and to serve God in this next season in her life. We are grateful for Lois's ministry at Riverside Presbyterian, and we will celebrate her ministry with us on Sunday, June 26th, at this worship service. January. Thank you for someone. Thank you for listening. And thank you for correcting. January. Two weeks. Not six months, two weeks. It says January here too. We are going to, Lois is going to be here. We're going to celebrate her ministry on that Sunday at 11 o'clock, and there will be a reception to follow in Bittinger Hall. She's doing well, uh, and she invites us to continue to pray for healing for her and for joy in the new endeavors that she undertakes. We have engaged temporary musical staff in our effort to continue our fine musical tradition at RPC, and we will begin an assessment process to determine our musical staffing needs. We will then begin a search for suitable candidates to serve RPC in the years ahead. Thus endeth the announcement, segueing into the sermon this morning. John says, these are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The response of worship, our human response of worship, stands at the center of our life together as children of God and disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you have spent some time studying the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Do we have anybody who wants to admit to that? 
the Westminster. Back in the olden days, we had catechism in the church and uh, questions and answers that taught about theology. And uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, was that the 18th century or the 6th, 7th? Anyway, a long time ago. Um, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, as many of you remember, declares as its first word, our chief end as humans is to glorify God and to enjoy God forever. To glorify God and to enjoy God forever. First word, when we come to the realization of who God is and what God has done and continues to do for us, we are lifted up on our tiptoes or we fall on our faces in awe and wonder. Whatever our condition or situation in life, the understanding of God as God draws us into this spirit, draws us into a spirit of worship. Exactly what qualifies as worship varies as widely as the human heart and mind can imagine. The Church of Jesus Christ has wrestled mightily with this matter, well, kind of since the day of Pentecost when we were called the Church at the very beginning of our existence. We have proven to be more contentious than conciliatory through the centuries when we talk about worship. We've even created a title for it. We call it Worship Wars. Worship Wars. Plenty of congregations have been torn asunder by battles related to styles of worship. Many others have simply ignored the matter and kept doing what they have been doing, hoping that the battle would pass them by. Usually doesn't, however. A process of deliberate debate and dialogue offers about the only way to avoid vigorous contention on this matter, which provides the primary motivation for our worship this morning. Several lifetimes ago, it seems, about 200 of you uh, filled out surveys for the PNC. PNC and I analyzed those responses and highlighted seven themes in them. And so, for the next several weeks, about seven, we are going to be touching on each of those themes. Uh, and today, we're touching on the theme of worship. We distilled your various worship-related comments into the following statement. Riverside Presbyterian Church values traditional worship while being more open to new expressions of worship. As I recall, that particular statement didn't come in that form out of any one of your responses. Rather, your input boiled down to that insight. And I would like to spend a little bit more time today talking uh, about it with you. The opportunity to worship draws us to Riverside Presbyterian Church. Not all of us, and not all of the time, but our central function 
And our large gathering of members each week is worship. This time that we spend together. And our biggest worship service, which actually occurs at 8.20 on Thursday morning. Our wonderful day school worship. If you've not been to the day school worship, you really should come. Uh, mostly it's led by the students. And they do a marvelous, marvelous job. It's our Thursday worship at RPC. We respond to God's mighty acts in time and space and in our lives, not only, but primarily through worship, which quite simply is the acknowledgement that God is God. And by definition, God is worthy of our honor and praise and reverence because God is God. Isaiah, the prophet, and John, the experiencer of the revelation, figured that out. John includes in his uh, visionary record a depiction of heavenly beings and people from all times and places singing and weeping and falling on their faces in worship before the throne of the Almighty. That worship that is, is going on now. If you've ever been to an Orthodox church, the church will quite often have a dome. And in that dome will be a very, very elaborate painting, which is a depiction of worship. And, and the theology of Orthodox worship is that we're down here worshiping, and we have this window in which we participate in the heavenly worship that's going on all the time. We don't have a dome. But the theology is just as true for us. The spirit of worship resides in the DNA that makes us human because we are creatures of the Holy and Worthy One. God created us. God is worthy of worship. We worship. We, I'm to paraphrase the, the great philosopher Descartes, um, and I'm glad he's not here because he would probably whack me one. But to paraphrase him, we worship, therefore we exist. Descartes said, we think, therefore we are. Right? Kind of like that. We worship, therefore we exist. We may not all worship the same way or even the same being when we look at humans across the scope of the world. But all humans worship something and or someone. People worship. And if I sit down with somebody and they'll, they'll tell me, oh, I don't, I don't worship God, and I, you know, I really, I'm not a worshiping person. I say, well, let's talk for a little while. It usually takes about five minutes to find out what they worship. Because they worship something. We all do. It's a part of who we are as humans. We Presbys declare that we worship God above and before all else. The what, the who, is set. The how, not so much. Individuals and families and churches and sports fans worship differently, usually based on historical patterns and preferences and where we happen to live at certain place times in our lives. And so does Riverside Presbyterian Church. In short, 
We value traditional worship with stately hymns and anthems accompanied by the organ and other instruments, liturgical forms that have stood the test of time, the centrality of God's word with sermons that are well thought out and speak to our intellect more than tug on the heartstrings. Although we don't mind being tugged on from time to time, do we? No, that's good too. But mostly, mostly we're thinking people. Sometimes to our detriment. We like our worship leaders to be dignified, appropriately clad, and well prepared. We have gotten to be a little more free-spirited and chatty, but a whole bunch of us don't like that at all. And just because a song has made it onto the hymnal pages, our new hymnal with new songs and some old ones that have come back, it doesn't mean that all Riverside Church members really want to sing every song. We are, in short, a church that values traditional worship. Let me say this loudly and clearly. There is nothing wrong with that. It's who we are, and that's a good thing. We've grown a bit more diverse over uh, time, mostly in terms of what we hope for and expect out of our communal worship styles. And that brash contemporary church down the street seems to be growing by leaps and bounds, even snagging a few of our members. So, while we value traditional worship, which we do, we wonder what else we might add to our practices. What new expressions might we adapt? without losing sight of our core inheritance. And how can we do this without descending into the previously mentioned worship wars? So have I set you up for a bold and brilliant answer? That's what I've tried to do. I don't have any. It's actually not my job. I have ideas, but I don't have answers because it's important for you to figure out what those answers are. And as you have learned from me, I'm more likely to ask a question than to give an answer. So I'd like to ask a few questions. I'll start by circling back to the beginning. What is the purpose of worship? If the Westminster divines were right, and I think they were, to glorify God and to enjoy God forever. We don't always use that word enjoy when we think about worship, do we? But, but we should. But we should. To glorify God and to enjoy God forever. In other words, for those of you who attended the, the, the class at 930 where we talked about worship, this was the statement that I, uh, I referred to. Every now, I don't normally write out my sermons completely. I usually have notes and then I never quite know what I'm going to say. But I actually have a, I have a script today, and I wrote this out, and then I, I preached it this morning, and I went, oh my goodness, that's really pretty good. <laughs> so here it is. What does it mean to glorify God and to enjoy God forever? 
to come into a physical, spiritual, and emotional space where we draw closer to God's awesome presence by allowing ourselves to be transformed by the encounter with the holy and continuously reformed as disciples of Jesus in our world. Good stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah. To come into a physical, we experience worship physically, spiritual, obviously, and emotional space, it's not just about our heads, it's about our hearts too. Where we draw closer to God's awesome presence, allowing ourselves to be transformed by the encounter with the Holy and continuously reformed as disciples of Jesus in our world. I am afraid of that. Is there a form or formula for worship that is essential in this process? Yes. About as many as there are people on earth. Because while we are a people of community, we are also individuals before God. And God draws us in community and individually into that spirit of worship. Are there some forms that are better than others? No. In spite of what I think and feel and believe... Some exist, some forms of worship exist that I am not in any way willing to promote. Snake handling comes to mind. There are churches that handle snakes as a part of their worship. Uh, we're not going to do that. That's not one of the new expressions we're looking at. Unless you go to South Florida and want to harvest some pythons, that's okay. And you can even say you're doing it for God, because you probably are. But some people, some people come more intensely into God's presence while handling snakes. I don't understand it. But if that's what works for them, it works for them. You see, the forms and formulas for worship are about preferences. And we have preferences in our worship practices which are personal and congregational in nature. State the obvious, preacher. Now tell us something, would you? And here's the key, I think, my estimation this morning. The danger, the danger occurs when we align our preferences with what we imagine God deems best or holiest or more, most appropriate. I have gone all around the place in the years of my life and in the 40 years of my ordained ministry. And what I happen to prefer in, in terms of worship and worship style. And I'm sitting presently at a pretty eclectic place. Eclectic. You know what that means? Mixed up. People say, when I interview with the congregation, they say, well, tell us about your worship style. It's all mixed up. It's eclectic. Because I have learned to borrow from all sorts of traditions that have brought me into that closer relationship with God. Today's choir anthems, which Ken selected and not me, um, kind of represent my preferences. One, based on a much loved traditional hymn, we've already sung that one. 
and the other a product of the contemporary boom in music writing. There is so much music being written today, and just like every era, a whole bunch of it is not very good at all, and some of it is stellar. Those are the anthems we're singing this morning. Eclectic, mixed up, whatever you want to call it. Both of them draw me into a spirit of worship and cause goosebumps to invade my skin. Neither was written by Bach or Beethoven or Brahms, but they usher me into God's presence just the same, as do the three B bros. So, the reason why I made the announcement I did at the beginning of this meditation is, is for this reason. We are now entering into a season of transition in musical leadership. I didn't know that when I planned to begin this 2020 vision series, but God did. So God is really helping me and us out. Thanks again. Appreciate it. And this is what I am proposing for this bittersweet season, which they always are when we lose people that we value along life's way. We already have a plan in place to honor and thank Lois for her leadership here, and you will have an opportunity to interact with her on that day. As soon as is reasonable, emphasis on soon, I don't know how this is going to work out yet, but the emphasis is on soon, we will gather a group of diverse folks to take a deliberate look at where we've been, where we are, and where we hope to go on the music side of our life together. Kind of started it at 9.30 this morning already, but there will be an opportunity for everybody to have an opportunity to say what you want to say. That will happen before we begin on a search process to fill now vacant slots. I'm relaxed about this plan. Part of my job is I get paid to be relaxed. Not too many of you see me when I'm not relaxed. One of, one of the times I'm not relaxed, the choir sees this some, is, is when things are supposed to start and they're not quite ready to start. Um, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of anxious about getting things started on time. Um, but normally I'm pretty relaxed. It's a good thing for me to be relaxed. Now, I'm relaxed about this plan. Why am I relaxed? Because we have such a marvelous stable of folks already here to carry us on in the interim. Peter DeWitt has been around for several weeks contribu contributing his stellar gifts to our mix. Gene Spikesma, who played uh, for our Christmas concert, will re-enter the fray in February. I suspect that Peter will show up from time to time then as well. Uh, dear Ken, who wasn't looking for a gig when he took this job, right? Uh, a while back, is, uh, is, has agreed to stick with us in spite of the fact that I'm here too. Ken and I have a really wonderful relationship. Mostly it's like this, and occasionally it's like this. Um, but even when we're like this, we always have smiles on our face. Yes. <laughs> Dave Tuttle, who has as many talents as anyone I've ever seen, uh, can hold a hammer or a euphonium with equal adeptness, uh, will keep directing the bells and the instrumental ensemble, and 
all of the other marvelous folks around here will help us carry on, and we will carry on excellently. That's for sure, in spite of the fact that they let me sing in the choir. <laughs> Riverside Presbyterian Church continues to value traditional worship, and we're happy about that. We sign it. Amen? Amen? All right. I want us at least to spend a little more time figuring out what the second part of that theme means. Because I don't know what it means just yet. I've gotten some ideas from you. We'll have some more. How to be more open to new expressions and ways of coming into God's presence. One of the things that came out of our 930 gathering was that there were some things that you used to do, which we might call new expressions of worship, you don't do anymore. Some of, some of what the new expressions will be to bring back some of those old expressions, which at one time were new as well. We'll have some fun along the way. And one thing that I am absolutely, completely, totally certain about is that you will tell me what you think. <laughs> and that will be just fine. Thanks be to God for these visions of worship for our worship, and for God's Spirit that endures with us to this very day. Amen. We're going to sing verses 1 and 4, 1 and 4, 